Hi, everybody. This is Joey Fight. I'm the founder of thephysicaleducator.com and a PE pedagogy coach here in beautiful Kentville, Nova Scotia. Welcome back to the Phys Ed Show. Today's episode is different. Today, what you're going to be listening to is a recording of our last PE chat. And this PE chat was actually the first time that we were hosting something called a PE chat panels. So what PE chat panels is, is a collection of awesome teachers that come together to discuss a specific topic. And in this situation, the topic was tech in phys ed. So my co-host, Elise Lachlan, she was going to be leading the show. She had an awesome set of questions set up for these teachers. And I can't wait for you to hear who we had on the show and all of the awesome ideas that they had to bring with them. Before we dive into the show, though, I just want to bring to your attention to the official PE chat page. So if you go to the physicaleducare.com slash PE chat, what you'll find there is a collection of resources that will help you engage in future PE chats. Elise and I always say that the way that we judge the success of these shows is based on the amount of new voices that we hear. So bringing in more people to the show is just a way of helping it grow and helping it become as valuable as possible to everybody who listens in. PE Chat is hosted on Twitter. It's hosted on Twitter Spaces, which is Twitter's built-in social audio platform. And using Twitter Spaces involves a bit of a learning curve. To help you out with this, I put together a collection of short videos in which I walk you through the different features of PE Chat so that you can build your capacity so that you're able to confidently engage and listen in to future chats. PE Chat takes place every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. And it has played such a crucial role in my own professional growth and development. And I know that many other physical educators would say the same. So again, to learn more, go to thephysicaleducare.com slash PE chat. It's totally free to participate. Honestly, I just want you to be there because I can't wait to see what you're able to bring to the table and the perspectives that you have to share. Okay, so that was my two minute little PE chat pitch. Now let's dive right into the show. All right. So, um, so all of our panelists, uh, we, you guys can unmute yourself because we're just going to like go for it. All right. So unless you got something going on in the room, like you can unmute yourself and, um, let's start with, let's start introductions with Derek. You ready? I'm ready. Hello, right. Joey. Hi. Hey, hey. Hey, Derek. Well, hey, uh, as a uh, typical PE chat, I am driving, so I have my, <laughs> I have my headphones on, though, uh, but hopefully you're not hearing a lot of side noise. Uh, sounds good, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. There's a little, we hear a little bit of the traffic going by. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, but yeah, I'm Derek Beal. Uh, I am a K-5 PE teacher out in Rochester, New York, which is Western New York. Uh, go Bills. And I also teach as an adjunct instructor at a local college out here where I teach second PE, and that's currently where I'm driving from right now. I just got done with class. So that's me. Excellent. And what got you into tech? Uh, I don't know. I've always been just a curious human by nature. Uh, mm. So when I got on Twitter uh, in my first, the end of my first year of teaching, I saw people using projectors. And I was like, whoa, I think I have one of those in a storage closet. I was like, let's start toying around with it. And then I saw people using GIFs, and I was like, my mind was blown for a little <laughs> bit. So I think I literally Google searched how to make a GIF. And then I just started going from there, uh, and then it just snowballed. So Awesome. Yeah. All right, thanks. Our next panelist that will introduce themselves is Will Potter. Hey, everybody. How's it going? 
Hi, Hi Will. So. <laughs> um, I'm Will Potter. I teach in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I have been teaching for uh, 20, 20 years. Oh, goodness. Mm. It's past the second decade. Um, <laughs> um, I can't remember. Uh, well, a little bit about myself. I... Um, you know, I, I, uh, I'm a movie fan and I think, uh, what brought me into tech, uh, you know, when I was a kid was my first, uh, you know, my first Nintendo, my first video game system mm. and, and not being allowed to play with it, um, during the school week, but getting home being a latch kid, kid latchkey kid and finding out, Hey, I know how to hook this up. I'll hook it up. Playing mm. it, playing it all afternoon, hearing my mom come up the driveway, quickly <laughs> unhooking it, and then immediately being busted because she'd walk in and put her hand on the TV and the TV would be hot. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think that kind of got me interested in sort of, you know, just that idea of how technology works. And mm. then when I became a teacher, going to a conference and the first piece of ed tech that got me you know, like blew my mind, like, oh my God, you can use technology in PE was an iPad or an iPod, not even mm. an iPad, an iPod, um, and being able to play music, um, you know, without a CD player or without a big sound system, just a little box and mm. a speaker. A thousand um, songs in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's kind of what, what opened my eyes to, to technology and PE um, being a possibility. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Charlie. Hey, good evening, everybody. Um, my name is Charlie Rizzuto. I am, or I was, a secondary health and physical education teacher um, on Long Island, New York, teaching um, PE grades 9 through 12 mostly. Um, every once in a while, I'll have a 7th or 8th grade uh, PE class as well. Um, I recently, and you, we could talk about this offline if anybody wants to know the why and the story behind it, but it's, it is health and PE rooted. Um, but I recently took the jump into administration, uh, partially because of conversations I had with other health and PE teachers, um, as how we need more health and PE people sitting in more seats to advocate for health and PE inside the school systems. Um, yeah. So I'm working right now as an assistant principal at high school on Long Island, and um, I'm enjoying the jump. Um, had an opportunity to advocate for some health ed the other day and jumped right on that. Um, and I think... Um, oh, I also teach uh, graduate courses at Adelphi University on Long Island. Um, so I think the thing that really got me into using tech in my classes was trying to model risk-taking for my students mm. um, way back when I started toying with different things, um, trying to get them to embrace the idea of you know, not being afraid to fail and having a, you know, a growth mindset probably before I even knew what that language was or had the language to attach to it. Um, but just trying to model risk taking and trying new things and, and saying to them, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to go, but do you want to try it with me? And uh, getting them on board to just say, say, yeah, we're going to try things together. And if it doesn't go well, that's okay. We'll reflect and then we'll um, make wh whatever adjustments we need to make uh, for the next time. But as I was listening to Will speak, I was reminded about um, in my student teaching, right, before, you know, apps and all these things were at my fingertips. Um, I remember wanting to give my students feedback. This was an elementary school student teaching experience, uh, immediate feedback on, I think they were doing a push-up. Um, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but let's say it was a push-up. 
So I went and I got uh, an old school TV on a cart and an old school camcorder. And I set the TV up in front of where they would be and the camcorder off to the side. And they could watch themselves um, in real time executing the push-ups. That might be the first time I ever used anything that would be quote-unquote tech-related. Again, before all these things were at our fingertips. Nice. Thank you for sharing. Crystal. Hi, everyone. My name is Crystal Williams, and I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, My first time really focusing in on tech, I I can remember my mom telling me, um, you know, you need to learn how to type because if you know how to type, uh, you, you can you can get a job anywhere. That was where her main thing that she always said. So I took typing in high school. And from there, I just started taking tech classes and I enjoyed it. So I actually thought I was going to do something like uh, document creations and then uh, change it in high school because somebody mentioned being a physical education teacher to me. And so I changed my career. I can remember my first year of teaching. Um, a person came to me and was like, hey, try out garage band. I was like, okay, mm. what, what is that? Uh, show me Garage Band. And my first year, I was like, oh, this is it. I can record myself talking and we can have transitions and I can stop, have the music stop at a certain point. So that was, I was from there. I've been using it ever since. Love that. Thanks for sharing. Cindy. Hi, everyone. Um, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be on this little panel. I appreciate the uh, thought and pretty excited to be able to listen to everyone and and share my own experiences. I'm in my 26th year of teaching, so I'm up there with Will a couple decades in now. Mm -hmm. But tech is really kind of a new thing for me. And it's ironic that Derek is on this panel as well, because he was probably one of the first people to truly inspire me as a teacher. Yeah. Back in 2020, right before the world kind of shut down, <clears throat> I remember um, being part of the IA for Northern District workshop that was being held, and it was held at Mike Graham's school, and he and Mike Graham did like a tech session, if I remember mm. correctly, and I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, that just all sounds so cool, <laughs> all of it, and um, really starting back when there really wasn't a whole lot of this, I kind of can relate to Charlie too with um, giving feedback. And I remember as a student teacher being videoed and uh, looking back at that, being videoed of my teaching and being able to go back and reflect on, you know, what my teaching looked like and, and writing some reflection pieces. And that was all based on being videoed. Um, so I remember that and thinking that was kind of a cool way to have some instant feedback. But truly, five years ago, I had first learned how to use even a projector. I never even had one in any of the teaching spaces that I was at. And then watching Derek and Mike present on it, I was super inspired. And I've always been kind of a curious learner, always intrigued by new and wanting to extend my knowledge. And I remember thinking, gosh, where do I find the time to learn and apply all of this? Because there was such a big gap to fill. And then COVID hit, and then we were forced to learn. <clears throat> and so I had nothing but time. And I had to, and I had to figure it out pretty quickly. Mm. So um, just- You had all the time and none of the time. Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. All of those days of just waking up first thing in the morning and putting together slides mm-hmm. and 
you know, maybe seeing my husband at lunch or dinner and still like eating through while I was working and trying to put together like engaging and, and um, content that would be appealing to students and motivate them while they were trying to do pee on a screen. Even when I think about it now, I'm like, oh my gosh, we have to teach pee on a screen. How is this going to work? <laughs> yep. <laughs> to have had that session and really took some notes on it and was really truly inspired by him and it's you know we became friends because he was at that time in Illinois now we don't have him in Illinois anymore but I, learned- I miss you Cindy <laughs> well, right back at you Derek so um yeah that's my little story and you know I teach at an elementary school which is part of a district that's about the second largest in, in the state of Illinois mm. um uh, and I teach K through six, but I've taught all grade levels from mm. elementary to college. I've taught some graduate level courses. I was a full time instructor at Northern Illinois University before coming back to um, the K six platform. Mm. Love that! Thanks for sharing. Yep. So, so I uh, my technology origin story is kind of similar to Will's. Actually, uh, it, it's, it starts with a little bit of public library action. Uh, my friend, my friends that are closest to me know that I love my public libraries, and it's because I, instead of being a latchkey kid that stayed at home, I was in walking distance to the library, so I got to go there. And my sister and I would alternate half hour usage of the PC that was at the library, um, and so I built up a lot of technology hours there. And then. Um, in middle school, I realized that I could use Mario Paint as a video editor. So, <laughs> teacher hacks. So, <laughs> yo, if I could find those VHSs, I would definitely put them on YouTube because <laughs> I like my um, my middle school must have been part of some sort of innovation grant because we got a television and this, we're talking this was 96 we got a television in every single classroom and then three apple computers in every classroom oh wow yeah and so um they like we got assigned we had to use claris works so we were using word processors in sixth seventh eighth grade which was like not the norm back then um and we had to make powerpoint presentations and like you know the the teachers were learning it. It was kind of like similar to what just happened in, in 2020 for all teachers. Like uh, begrudgingly, like the Cara Durham faculty had to learn how to use all of this technology so they could assign it to the students. Um, so I like started honing PowerPoint skills in sixth grade in like 1995, 1996, which is, like, <laughs> which is really wild when I say it out loud. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then... Um, I'll never forget this in uh, eighth grade in math class, we got assigned, we had to make some sort of, we had to make a advertisement for a product. And so we had to come up with a product and then we had to make an advertisement for it. And it was like a group group project. And in true Elise Lachlan form, I planned the project with my friends and I was like, don't worry guys, I'm going to make a, a live television commercial. And they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, uh, don't worry, I got that part. That'll be what I do in the group project. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like me, like you, like it's an empty chair, and all of a sudden I pop up and I'm like, 
selling our product. And I don't know if y'all remember the um, blue screens that were like, send a check or money order to this address. Uh, And like, you'll get the product. So I created that whole screen on Mario Paint. And like, so it, (laughs) and like on Mario Paint, you, which was a video game, it had like, animation that you could do so i had like little animations of like mario like buying the product it was like a whole i like and you could create music so all of this what i'm saying is like nintendo had created uh imovie and garage band in this video game and in eighth grade i used this video game and my vcr at home and my camcorder at home to create this commercial that like no one could touch once I did play. <laughs> so that's that, and that kind of brings me to uh, like, you know, EdTech is a wonderful, wonderful space to grow because a lot of it goes back to inquiry and a lot of it goes back to teachers' curiosities and, and being that uh, perpetual student that we, um, you know, we preach about. And like, you know, the, the, when you look at the ISTE standards, so ISTE, um, is the, like the governing body for, um, ed tech standards, they break it down into standards for students, for education, education leaders, coaches. And I think that like, it's really cool to see how all of those standards break down because for kind of what Charlie was talking about ways to advocate that's like seen in the educators and education leaders, uh, standards, and then students that inquiry and that constant questioning is there. So for tonight's panel, we are, our discussion is going to be centered around the SAMR model for technology integration. So, you know, you start out with no tech and then you gradually grow into a space where um, you take something like instead of doing a worksheet about the task, now you're doing a Google form. And that's like substitution, augmentation. That's like enhancing it. Like it'll organize the information for you Um, and then gradually get into more of a transformational space um, where you're doing projects and things that you would not be able to do without the technology. So, panel, you guys ready for our first question? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Yep. Okay. Our first question is, how do you use technology to enhance your lessons? I'll go first. Uh, For my lesson, I use technology to uh, make things, I would say, be able to do things quicker and to analyze data quicker mm-hmm. and also to be able to go back and view things. Cause I love to record my students when I do assessments, I record my students so I can go back and watch the video because sometimes I'm watching you, but then I might get distracted and what I thought was correct may not be that. So I can go back and view things. Um, and I like to use it to collect data for assessment. So if my students, we use a lot of Nearpod and so they can put their answers in and it also allows them to to allow me to differentiate for my students because now I can record my voice saying the question and the options to my students. And they also can record themselves into the um, for the answer instead of just typing. So if a student is not able to read or write well, they're still able to provide an answer. 
Can you tell uh, people what a Nearpod is, just in case they don't know? Yeah, so Nearpod is an well, it's an app, and you can go online um, and use it on your computer also. But uh, it has a lot of features. You can add slides. You can have questions. You have game like uh, like a gamification kind of part to it, where you can have questions and the kids go up different levels and earn points and stuff like that. So it's a lot of features on there. There is a free. Uh, version and then there's a, a pay version also. Excellent, thank you. At least I'll I'll jump in. Um, okay. For, for the enhancement piece, um, I'm gonna I'll share two things really quickly. One, Derek alluded to before when he mentioned um, gifts, right? So when when my students walked into the gym, um, the first thing that they would see was a gift that was looping on the board. Um, that was made in, you know, embedded in a Google slide. And next to the GIF, there would be no more than three quick uh, bullet points. And what the GIF was looping was a game that they've already played that had easy setup, um, limited to no equipment, and something that they could jump into immediately as a warm-up game, right? That freed me up as a teacher to check in with students, um, to take attendance and do some of those managerial tasks um, that we have to do at the beginning of our classes. And we want to do at the beginning of our classes, especially checking in with kids that we might need to check in with. So um, there's a variety of ways that you could use GIFs. But again, that's that's a mere substitute for writing a game on the board or taking the time to verbally explain it or tell them what we're going to play, even if it is recall for um, a simple game that they've played before. Um, and it's almost like replacing, this one's almost like replacing or substituting one tech with another tech, right? So one thing I started to do towards the end of my career was use Canva, um, mm. as a way to kind of replace multiple slides or going through, you know, two, three, four slides at the beginning of the lesson to show students whatever I wanted to show them or start to teach them whatever it was that I was going to start to teach them. So in Canva, you can embed links. So I would download, you know, I would create it in Canva, download it as a PDF. The links were live. And as you know, I'm teaching and we're having conversations, um, I'm just clicking on things in Canva and it's bringing me to short videos, it's bringing me to other links, maybe it's bringing me to another slide that I created, but um, it creates a different feel um, at the beginning of class. And then obviously that quick PDF can be shared out with students through Google Classroom and now they have access to all of those resources that I just utilized um, in the lesson. So in terms of an enhancement, you know, substitution, I guess some augmentation in there with the Canva piece, uh, gifts to start your class right away, um, and then Canva as a way to almost substitute going through some Google Slides. All right. So we got some Google Slides, Nearpod, and Canva. Uh, Will, you got something to add to here? Uh, yeah. I mean, I uh, I teach outside all the time. <laughs> and so I don't get to use those um, fancy, fancy things in class as much as I'd like to. But what I found is, is uh, especially because of COVID, um, I created sort of lesson plan templates, which became slides for my students during COVID. And then I've just started to continue my lesson planning through through those slides. So I have my my instant activity and I have my my set induction stuff all in there as a lesson plan. So it's kind of created this bank of, of lessons and activities that I can, I can pull back over and over and over again, year after year, I can make modifications and edits to it. Um, but it really kind of creates this document of what I do every year. 
So it, it's kind of a nice, uh, nice piece that I can add to, um, you know, justification or if an administrator wants to know, hey, what are you doing in PE? I can say, well, actually, here's everything we've done in PE all year long. Um, and it's in it's in a presentation format. So if uh, if I'm ever asked by administration to, to, you know, justify my program, I have it right away and I can pull out, you know, great lesson planning and then I can pull pieces, um, you know, video pieces and things that I've done through recording with tech mm-hmm. um, to to show the students actually performing what the lesson plan is. So it's 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 an, it's enhanced my planning and it's enhanced, um, you know, my my justification toolkit um, more than anything else since I can't use it during class. That would be like an excellent question. Like, how are you using it just for like the teacher part of you? I feel like that's something that we don't talk about a lot, but like that would be a really cool um, path to wander. But Cindy, you have a thought, so we'll go to that first. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of um, piggyback off of what has already been said. First, the gifts were a very big um, game changer for me. And being so new to tech, honestly, just the fact that I knew what a gift was and was able to access somebody else who filmed a gift and use it in my teaching was just a a very big game changer for me because it it was good management of my instructional time. I was able to have that displayed most of the time it was of a skill that I might have been introducing that day. And once that was on there on a continuous loop, it allowed me to free up my time so I can manage my teaching time better with my students and walk around more freely and provide more one-on-one instruction or assistance to those students that needed it. Uh, So that was the first thing. And then um, as I became more comfortable and confident with my tech skills, then I wanted to learn more and I was very thirsty for learning more. And um, I learned how to make my own gifts. And that also was a game changer because then when the students came in, you know, it wasn't just all of my friends. Like, this is my friend, Mrs. Zebra. This is my friend, Mr. So-and-so. You know, now it was, oh my gosh, is that you, Mrs. C? Well, yes, it is. And so then, you know, then it was, I was obsessed with it and I wanted to use it all the time in any which way that I could. But mostly, um, like Will had talked about it too, The way that it enhanced for me was a very big organizational tool as a a teacher instructional Mm -hmm. tool. And the fact that I could take those slides and chunk them as um, you would see and how we have been taught really to um, all the instructional components of a a well-balanced lesson plan, right? From your, your set to your instant activity, to your focus activities, to your closure. So each slide or a couple of slides would be devoted to those parts of my lesson. And it really helped me organize, you know, my lessons that way. And like Will said, you know, then that's like an accountability piece right there. Mm. He ever said anything or questioned or needed some information about what I was doing. It kind of, it substituted the old school lesson plan book. And then Mm -hmm. it became digital lesson plan book. And, you know, one of these days I'll learn to clean up my drive a little bit better. So it's a little bit easier to find, but it is all there and I can go back easily and access it as long as I remember what I've named it. Um, And then I think Charlie talked about Canva and I just started dabbling with that. And I really, really like Canva content creator 
um, lens because it allows you to do so many things all in one place. I really, really appreciate. And the fact that you can copy that link and make it available to anyone is, is pretty cool too. So when I'm making some of my lessons, I haven't really gone 100% that way. But when I am presenting, I've been starting to use more of that instead of the Google Slides just because there's um, there's more tools with that. And the last thing I was going to say is <clears throat> I'm talking a lot about organization. Well, this year um, I learned how to use uh, an online tool called Classroom Screen. And mm. I like that from an instructional um, viewpoint because, it hel- again, it helps with organization. So it kind of allows me to lump all of my um, screens together. So for me, unfortunately, I only see my students once a week. So when I organize my screens, I do it by day. So whoever, whatever grades I'm seeing that day, I have a screen for, for that day. Mm-hmm. Um, or like a, like a, how do I want to call it? You have multiple screens per day. So you're going to lump them together. And on this online tool, <clears throat> you can put, you can download and embed your Google Slides onto Classroom Screen. But it also has like multiple widgets that include things like a calendar, a digital dice, um, a group maker, a stopwatch, a webcam, um, ability to just put in your um, YouTube videos. If you're using a YouTube video, you can draw on there. There's a QR thing or there's a poll. So it kind of helps. There's all those little things that you find from different websites all in one place. I, kinda, I really like that. So this yeah. year I've used Classroom. I use it every day. That's that happens. That's a very popular app on the TikToks. Um, and I, like, it seems like it's, um, if your school has not invested in like a Promethean board or something like that, it seems like a really, um, a, a fix for that. Like it gives you all of those widgets that you were talking about that normal, that you can access through like smart board technology or through, um, Promethean board technology. Thank you so much for sharing that one. Cause that's like a secret. I, I don't think a lot of people know about that one yet. Yeah, and there's a free version of that, but mm-hmm. you update or upgrade and are just decided to buy the license towards the end of last year. Um, the pro version allows you to save as you go, which is a really nice feature and mm-hmm. screens that you can save. So like I said, I, I learned that at the end of last year and this school year, I've used it every day. So I organize all my lessons this way. So keeping in mind the uh, people that are in here right now and the people that might listen later, uh, Canva keeps on coming up over and over again. And so for people that are not familiar with Canva, I feel like it's a, uh, a very modern day version of Microsoft Publisher. And um, it's also free for all educators. So anybody that has an email from a school is able to get an account for free. So I just want to put that little bug in your ear in case, because this Canva keeps on coming up over and over again. I'm a big Canva user. Um, so I just want to let everybody know that it is free. Joey, do you have your hand up? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm just curious. So I hear, I, I hear a lot of people talking about uh, creating gifts for their teaching and whatnot. And I'm just curious, for somebody who wants to go out and create a gift for the first time, what apps are you using that's making it really easy or as easy as possible for you to be able to do so? You can use one of the more popular apps that you can do on a phone where you can actually just film yourself or a student or someone doing whatever the skill is that you want. 
and it's right on your phone. And then you have the ability to like upload it right into your drive once you've edited it. So that's an easy one. Um, I sorry, what was I- it you cut out as you were saying the name? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It is um, ImagePlay, I-M-G-P-L-A-Y, I believe. Okay. And it's you can find on your phone. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. That's the one that I use. It's in my orange folder. Will? Uh, yeah, I was going to say when I use... When I use a mobile device, that's the one I use, the one that Cindy said. Um, but for when I'm doing, um, you know, uh, GIFs from video that I've taken with my students or myself, um, I really like GIF Brewery. Yeah, I use that one. Um, and that one I really like because you can put text and titles right onto the GIF. Um and you can edit the length of the GIF. And even after it's created, you can take it and you can stretch it or shrink it to make it longer or shorter, which I think is really cool. Um, and uh, Well, one did of the you know cool you things- can – oh, sorry. Did Go you know ahead. you can export Keynote animations as a GIF? I did not know that. Yeah, you can make animations in Keynote and export them as a GIF. You just have to select GIF as a export destination. Okay. <laughs> I knew I could do it. I knew I could do movies. Yeah, yeah, you can know you can do gifts now too. Um, but then um one of the one of the cool things uh that I've I've started doing is um when I do uh add tech to my classrooms to teach a subject matter. So, um for example, if I'm teaching soccer skills, and I want my students to, um, you know, analyze their their partners or whatever. Um, I will have them create their own gifts of of a student, and then they can go back and they can watch themselves over and over and over again, and then analyze. Okay, do I need? What do I need to do? And they don't have to worry about. Oh, I missed it. I have to rewind it or stop it or go back. It just automatically loops over and over again. It kind of takes some of the 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 tech work out of it once they know how to make a gif excellent thank you for sharing derek uh yeah not to get too techie uh but one of the becky fulmer would uh be mad if i didn't mention this i would assume but uh one of the reasons i love using the website easy gif and it's easy gif dot com uh is because well a it's free uh and i know there's a lot of free versions of those apps but sometimes if you don't want the little watermark, you have to pay for it. Uh, but a real cool thing with EasyGIF is you can compress the file size uh, to make it into a smaller file size. Because if by chance you're, you know, say you're doing some sort of uh, 10-sided dice activity where they roll a 10-sided dice and it pops up where, you know, if they get a 9, they do this. If they get an 8, they do this. And if you have, you know, a decent amount of GIFs or large files on a slide, Depending on your internet connection, depending on your device, it might take forever to play that slide. So I love Easy Gift because now that I've like remade a bunch of my gifts, which was probably, you know, uh, beating a dead horse because old ones are fine. But now that I've remade them all, uh, they're small file sizes and I can have like 20 on a screen and my, uh, my screen doesn't do anything crazy. It still loads at a normal speed. It's really nice. That's awesome. I'm so glad that you mentioned that, Derek, because I was going to say that. So I'm really glad that you did, because that is the original way that I learned to do gifts. And that was through um, the teachings of Becky Fulmer. Yeah. And I think uh, Ben Perillo, and I hope I said his last name right. You did. uh, I think he has a YouTube video somewhere buried away on his page of how to use Easy Gift. 
And I know it takes me uh, forever to find that video, but once I find it, it's like a quick four minute, you know, description, but he goes over everything and you can, you know, crop, you can uh, change the ratio size, you can uh, change the speed of your GIF, uh, you can add text, everything. It's, it's a little uh, janky, like formatting wise, like not the most user friendly and definitely not new age, but it has all the features that you would need. Awesome. Thanks hey, and if you don't want to jump straight into that, don't forget you can always go to Chromebook Health and PE. That's Becky's website. And you can see Derek performing those gifts already. <laughs> so I love to go on there. If I uh, forgot to video myself doing something, I'm like, okay, here's a great list of PE teachers already doing these moves. I'm just going to use these uh, in my class. That website yeah. is a gift to all of us. And yeah, I, you know, we need to buy them coffees on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So next question, how do you use technology to transform your teaching? So what is something that you wouldn't have been able to do or is greatly impacted by your ability to use a piece of technology or an app? Derek's jumping right in. Sorry, uh, but don't apologize. Well, just go for it. <laughs> I just got home and the puppy is like at my ankles, so <laughs> I figured I'll get it out of the way so I can pet him. But uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, one of the coolest things that like ever been, uh, one of the things I thought was the coolest. I know my kids had a blast with was uh, when I was teaching in Illinois. I used to use Flipgrid a decent amount because every kid in my school had their own Chromebook. Uh, so my fifth graders, we did this. Uh, like during our dance unit, we took two weeks and they created their own dance. So I really kind of gave them the lay of the land with it. And I just said, Hey, here's your parameters. And this is after, you know, we've kind of slowly built into creating your own mind dance. And I've given them prompts in third grade, uh, gave them a little bit more freedom in fourth grade and fifth grade. I'm just kind of releasing them to the wild. Uh, but they got to pick their own groups. They picked their own songs. Uh, and then what I would do is, and I don't know if this is legal, so maybe I shouldn't say it, but there's like a <laughs> Don't get me kicked off Twitter, Derek. <laughs> there, let's be real, Joey. There's no paying attention. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's a YouTube to MP3 converter. So you can uh, find songs uh, on YouTube and then download them as a, or convert them into MP3 and then download that to your computer. And then I would upload those uh, songs to Google Classroom and share it with those kids. So each kid had that song downloaded on their Chromebook and they could play it during class. And then what I had them do is I had them come up with, I can't remember the exact parameters, but a few different uh, dance moves that they had to do as a group. And I had like, you had to change directions three times or something. Your song had to be a minute long. I can't remember all of it, but then what they would do is they videotape themselves with their Chromebook. But then once they're finally done, they were able to use Flipgrid uh, which I want to say it's called Microsoft Flip now. I could be wrong. It is. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what it's called. Okay. But they could use Flipgrid or now Microsoft Flip. And uh, they would videotape themselves doing it. And they would upload it to Flipgrid. And then at the end, as long as everyone in the group is comfortable with it, we, the final day we would go through Flipgrid and watch all these videos. And kids could watch other kids dance videos without feeling pressured, like they're up on stage in front of everybody dancing. Uh, because I think the first year I did it, I did it like, can you dance like a fifth grader? And I would invite the principal in, the classroom teacher, and we would have little whiteboards and say, you know, silly things like, 
oh, you got the moves like Jagger, and then you'd hold up a sign and everyone would clap. But some kids would get super embarrassed by it. But using Flipgrid kind of allowed them their own space to, you know, some kids would take it and go to the multi-purpose room at work. Some kids would take it and go to the hallway. And they felt so much more comfortable dancing with just their small group of four and then sharing out their stuff instead of doing it, you know, in front of a crowd of people. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just so cool to see kids get really into it and just kind of, you know, the introverted kid, you know, diving deep into dance and then, you know, being so excited when everyone started cheering for him. It was really neat. Excellent. And um, Flip actually integrates into Nearpod. So you can put the, you can put a Flip into Nearpod and like kind of stack your tech that way too. Just it's a little, a little add on there. All Very right. cool. Charlie. Yeah. So um, I'm glad that Derek brought up Flip. So I want to give like a, a high school um, or flip that into a high school um, lens. So one of the things that I was able to do um, with Flip and my high school students when I was teaching them about leadership, um, I gave them uh, a mini project where they were going to lead the charge to advocate for a social cause. And um, they obviously had a variety of things to choose from. But using Flip, um, they were able to take what they learned in class and create like a mini advocacy campaign uh, for some, again, social cause that they wanted to or they felt needed more momentum. Um, they, you know, had a, in there talk about why they're the person to lead this cause, to lead this advocacy campaign. Um, and it was all obviously like, you know, we hear advocacy and we might think of like a health skill, but this was all inside uh, my PE classes as well. Um, where we would talk about leadership, which was one of my favorite things to teach pre-COVID because it generated so many good conversations. And that became one of my favorite things to teach after COVID because we needed more leadership inside the building, right? So to analyze what leadership looks like. And then through Flip, they were able to create that advocacy campaign. Um, but the, the what I wanted to share, because it kind of came up before, was, was video analysis or using video analysis um, as a way to kind of leverage and create more equity when assessing standard one in the states, you know, the national standard one, which is, you know, primarily rooted in the psychomotor domain, right? So um, before our huddle came up, there's an app now called OnForm. Um, years and years and years ago, it was called Ubersense, and then mm. it became Huddle Technique, and now it's called OnForm, and it's kind of similar to Coach's Eye. Um, but one of the uses that I found a lot of value in was when I was assessing standard one, um, and you know, in the States for uh, shape America, um, and assessing the psychomotor domain was understanding that there were equity issues. And I always found these equity issues when I was assessing that, uh, that standard. Um, so what I would do is I would have my kids, um, using that app, analyze their own movement. And I would ask them two questions, right? So a portion of the assessment and, and obviously a great deal of the feedback was obviously in their physical performance of the skill. Um, but a portion of the assessment um, was rooted in two questions. What do you want to keep and what do you want to change? And the overarching theme was if you had more time to practice, right? Um, which they would obviously get after that. But, you know, this learning sequence was ending. We were transitioning into something new. So, you know, it was time to assess where they were at. Um, and they they would use or we would use um, – what's now called on form for them to look at their skill, um, how they, how they executed it and then point, point out the things that they want to keep, the things that they felt they did correctly. And then things that if they were given more time to practice, they would like to see change, which gave me obviously insight to them understanding what the skill was supposed to look like, even if they weren't there yet. 
um, which made me feel like the assessment was a little bit more equitable um, for kids that just needed more time to practice something physically and could get there. They just weren't there yet. Um, so that that app is now called OnForm. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Crystal. I forgot about Ubersense. Just want to say I haven't heard that name in a long time. <laughs> um, some of the things that um, I felt, I already talked about GarageBand, but that was the transformation for me because that's something I probably wouldn't have done on my own and with somebody mentioning it. And it allowed me to be more involved with my students using uh, GarageBand because with the recording of my voice. And then later on, of course, now I use it for all different types of things to make uh, songs or do activities where I can add in my voice or my students. I also had my students to be like the commentators of the of a, a activity and they recorded, you know, during class as the game was going on. So they were able to do that. Another one that I, I like to use is iMovie because I love to create intro videos for my kids that was a big I didn't realize how much of an impact it made on my students until I received notes every year like at the end uh, for teacher appreciation week I get notes saying coach oh I love that you make those iMovies for us it allowed my students to see the skill being used in real world in a real world sense instead of just in the classroom so they could see this skill and other people doing skill and sometimes I use my own students and they love that that makes them uh as I tell them you're famous and so they really <laughs> eat that up the uh, part about being famous and another my last one um is like class dojo I love to use that that was a big transformation for me and I don't use it for uh, behavior, but I use it to uh, make sure my students are there. I use it to set up groups instead of using, um, I know Elise talked about it earlier, using multiple apps. You can use that one app and do so many things. So that was a big transformation for me instead of using so uh, uh, like five different apps to do so, you know, to do the same thing that I can do in Class Dojo. Yeah, because Class Dojo, you can do what Team Shake does. You can, if there's a timer in it, there's a, you know, random, random caller in it. Um, yes, you can use it as an assessment too. Instead of using Google Form, you yep. can put your skill in there and use it for that also. Yeah, yeah I, that's you know I, I I you know what's his face the uh, the the original PE geek. His name is escaping me right now. Jared Robinson. Uh, yes, thank you. Why do I always forget his name? Um, I he had he had an app for a while that like did some of that stuff and. I think at the end, like Class Dojo really took out a lot of different apps that I was <laughs> I was using because it's just there's so many things in that app that you can use. Will? Uh, yeah, I was going to talk about um, I really like to when I incorporate tech into my class, it, it makes it special for the kids. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, the iPads are out. The iPads are out. We get to use the iPads, right? So they get excited. But then. I want to make sure that they they understand that that it's a special day, right? And so we turn it into we we make these projects. So it's it's project based lessons. So mm-hmm. they're making iMovie trailers that teach the rules of whatever game uh, that we're about to play or we played before. Um, and then I have those videos that they created to demonstrate to other classes, so they get to show off, uh, you know that they, that they get to be the teacher for, for that lesson or whatever. Um, and then one, um, I think I was talking to Joey about, uh, during COVID, like how to teach strategy to, to students, uh, you know, in COVID times, like how do you teach badminton strategy Mm -hmm. during COVID? 
And uh, one of the things that, that that got me into the rabbit hole of was um, at the time I was teaching um, an after school coding class and we were using Scratch Junior. And so I had, kids, I had kids playing tag, kind of like a tic-tac-toe back and forth version of tag using um, Scratch. So each player had a character and they one character was trying to tag the other character. And so one character would move this many spaces and kind of have to anticipate where they were moving. And, and those kind of projects kind of enhanced that strategic thinking. And it's not necessarily just about the skills, but it's about the, str- the strategy and the, the thought process behind the activities. And so I kind of felt like bringing tech in as a project-based uh, piece of equipment um, was one of the, the my favorite things to do with tech. Yeah, I, you know, I think about when the uh, projector cart or the television got wheeled into the classroom and, like, what a special day that was. Like, you knew, like, something cool was about to happen, and that seems like you're – recreating that for your kids on, on iPad days. And like what I keep on noticing is that there's a lot of student voice, a lot of student centered activity. When you start bringing in these higher levels of the, the SAMR model, you get more um, from your students. Um, and so it's like, it's it's just a wonderful thing to keep on pushing yourself that way. Well, okay. it can also be really stressful because <laughs> students would come up to me and be like, how does this work? And I'd be like, I don't know yet. Let me figure it out. <laughs> so that can be really stressful as a teacher, right? Yeah. Um, and sometimes the students will come up with the answer on their own. And then you're like, well, teach me how you did that, um, which is also a wonderful way to, to kind of give students that that voice, right? Like, oh, I'm actually, I'm actually, you know, in charge of my own learning here. Mr. Will doesn't know everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe I'll go ask a friend instead. Yeah. My sister worked for the Apple store for a decade and in their training, they teach you when you don't know the answer to say, let's find out together instead of, I don't know. (laughs) And Miss Lachlan says, let's find out together a lot. (laughs) Derek? Um, yeah, I don't think it's been mentioned yet. And Will uh, was talking about kind of like kids treating tech as like that special day. Uh, I've noticed, especially at my new school, anytime I bring out uh, my Plagnets or Plickers, uh, the kids go crazy and they're like, oh man, we're using the Plagnets today. And it's so funny because I would imagine as a kid, if it wasn't, you know, colorful, cool looking Plagnets, I'd be like, oh man, we're doing assessment today. Uh, I'm so bummed. I just wish I could play instead. But now instead I'm like doing a formal cognitive assessment with them and they all freak out and they're like, yeah, we're about to use these. I'm like, oh, I'm just about to ask you a multiple choice question to see what you understand. It's just nice to kind of see them get excited over something like that and get excited over what they've learned. Yeah, that's yes, exactly. Exactly. Cindy. Hey, so I just wanted to jump in along with the Plagnets. I have not used them, but one of the things that it reminded me of was last year, I really um, wanted to find ways to use some of the the gifts that I had created and um, work with our classroom teachers. I do a a program that's called ACT. It's active content time where I collaborate with different classroom teachers. They sign up for a 30-minute lesson with me. 
and it's movement based and it usually crosses over into one of the academic content areas. So most of the time it's math related. So I wanted to use tools that the students were used to. And I know that a lot of the classroom teachers would use like a Kahoot. So I wanted to try to play around with it to see if there was a way that I could somehow use movement for um, these lessons. So what we did was we added the gifts as one of the responses. So there would be a math question and then each answer or each response had a particular uh, GIF associated to it. And the GIFs were all different types of movement. So they would, they would submit their answer and then they would have to do that particular movement until the timer was up. So it was nice. one kind of blending the two content areas and kind of uh, informal way of assessing their, their skills, right, and doing that. So I really liked using Kahoot and messing around with that and making, making it so that there were some movement options with that. But because I used the GIFs, it kind of reminded me, too, that one of the things that was transformational was learning about the Do Inc. app. And oh, yes, and the big Inc. fan. The green screen. And mm-hmm. so you would just kind of mess around with your gifts, and I would do them in my gym, and the lighting wasn't great, and then there would be all kinds of lines on the ground. And so then the quality of it wasn't crisp, and it would, it would be frustrating because you're spending all this time in a gazillion takes to try to get that perfect, you know, take but then the lines would all be there or something wasn't right so when I started learning how to use a green screen um, I used do ink a lot and that was really helpful for just video editing and being able to place myself on different layers and and create the way I wanted it to be created and that was very engaging and motivating for the students to see gifts in that way Um, and then along with the doing one last one that I want to talk about was CapCut, which was um, brought to my attention by Barb Borden, a close friend of mine. And I like doing that for um, making videos because I like to also be able to share what I'm doing for other teachers, not just for myself or for the students, but just for other teachers. So it was a quick way to just do a, a short video and use an app to be able to share out on Twitter or wherever else. And then using Canva's video also. <clears throat> allowed me to share some of the literacy strategies that I use. Because when I say literacy, literacy strategies in PE, people are like, what? That's not PE. And I'm like, yeah, it can work in PE. And it's an informal way of assessing. And, um, and it's, a great, it's a great tool and strategy to use. So I started doing a lot more video making. So try and explore all those different apps and online tools that would allow you to do the video and, and edit. But Doink was one that reminded me of back in the beginning stages of making GIFs and learning how to make it better. I I am a big Duang fan. I purchased a whole green screen kit very early on and like I didn't know what I was going to do with it. And but it was like 100 bucks on Amazon. Like I don't know if it was Amazon Day or or Prime Day or something, but I was like I'm just going to buy this <laughs> and I'll figure it out later. And uh then in a in a fever dream on my way to work, I was like Cuckoo Kangaroo Dance Project. Yes. Uh, and so I, the, the stuff that I was able to create with my students, or I should say my students created for the project came out so wonderfully. And um, we really, we treated it like a, um, a uh, full um, special area brought projects that like started with music, teaching about rhythm then in PE, they created the dance. Then in art, they created the green screen background. And then in library, they did the editing for the video. So we did it through all of the different specials. So it was kind of, it was a cool project that went through all of them. 
Um, okay, so checking in time, it is 9.01, but selfishly, I want to ask one more question if our panelists are Do up it. for it. <laughs> I'm typing up a storm here. I'm trying so hard to capture everything, everything everybody's saying. Isn't it, isn't it so hard? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. I am going to... Um, I'm trying to decide between professional development and your dreams. Which question should I ask? Joey, do you have a preference? Dreams. Always go big. Okay. Okay. So what tech dreams do you have on the horizon or what is on your ed tech wish list? Go. Uh, I'll go first. And I actually, my wish list, I don't even have one now because my school is pretty good about getting like whatever we need in tech. So last year, school year, I think I got the biggest thing, and that was the Lou projectors. And my gym, <sighs> we have two of, two of those. So that was big. Um, what are those? You got to tell people what they are. All right. So the Lou is um, basically is an interactive, like they call it interactive playground, and you can aim at the wall, and it actually detects when you hit the target that's on the wall. Uh, we also are able to use it to project our intro movies now we use them as a background if we need a, a theme background for whatever we're doing so that was big so we got that last school year um my school is one-to-one with ipads so we have those but we also have our own 10 pe ipads i also have a uh, promethean board that i roll out so i got that way before the lose my principal got me that so i could roll that we roll that out and we keep our uh digital whiteboard on that projector not projector but promethean board um it's a it's interactive also because you can actually like write on it and do a whole bunch of different things with that also so we have apple tvs we have a sound system like we have a ton of stuff so like i couldn't even think of it like if right off you say what would you want this year i couldn't even think of anything because we pretty much like they really support us in that area you just listed my entire wish list my friend (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. I like I um I've had my eye on those projectors for a, a couple of years. Uh it's something that maybe if I had stayed at, at Becker, I probably would have been able to finagle. Uh but now starting over at DCS like gotta I gotta find who to ask and who to bother. Right. And so they actually brought them out because they will bring out the uh a demo. So I asked my principal, I was like, oh, could they bring those out? She's like, oh, sure. I was like, come by and watch. And she came, and I wasn't even asking for them yet. And she sat in there, she said, coach, what is that thing called? And then she's like, we need that. And then that was just one. And then I showed her what another teacher was doing with two. She's like, oh, yeah, coach, we need two. And so they did a fundraiser and at our school, and that's how I ended up with it. Oh, my God. Amazing, amazing. Great advocacy there. Derek. So I was Scott scavenging Twitter for a second to try and find it. And Joey, I hate to put you on a giant Twitter search, but if you can find this tweet, I know Kevin Tiller uh, at the Z review posted like two years ago, I believe it was an interactive gym floor out of China. And yes, it was crazy. Uh, And how it was is it was like a basketball team was using it. But what would happen was, say someone takes a jump shot from the corner, it like keeps track of their elevation off the floor. Uh, Coaches could draw plays on a tablet and then it would like show moving characters on the floor that with little lights that would go around and follow those players. It would keep like shot stats from each spot that someone shot off of. 
it was unbelievable. And I was trying to search on YouTube uh, too, but I couldn't find it. Uh, and I have no idea what it was called, but it was the most mind blowing thing ever. I can't imagine my school would be able to afford that anytime soon. Uh, but man, that would be like top tier wish list. My school's been pretty good, uh, kind of like uh, Crystal was saying, where I told them I use a lot of tech and they're like, oh, well, we'll get you a record export this year. And within the first two weeks, I had a record export that was touch screen, uh, could like screen mirror up my laptop. Uh, and it was also Bluetooth, so I had speakers in it. Uh, and it has been an absolute game changer. Uh, so I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at. Awesome. Thanks for sharing, Derek. Yeah. Will? So AR and VR is kind of where my brain is going right now. Um, Mm, Say more. Mostly because there are students who, you know, maybe you're, you're out, your, your student has a broken leg or some, some other temporary disability or, you know, um, you know, reason for them to be out, they can still participate in your classes in a, in a, in a different way. Um, so that's one thing that I'm kind of thinking of just kind of in my head, but then also, um, the idea of there are these little, they start out, it's, it's still kind of in its infancy. So they have these little QR codes and you go to it with a device and you scan the device. And then all of a sudden, in three dimensions, kind of almost like a hologram that pops up on your your tablet or your iPad or your iPhone or whatever it is. And it, it gives instruction or it's basically a GIF or a video that plays and then it goes away and then they can go take that knowledge and apply it some other place. So that's kind of where my head is. Yeah, there's, then, there's yeah. a local playground here uh, in Albany that has uh, an interactive AR augmented reality um game so you you go around and there's like little monsters all around the playground and you have to like find them and you have to open treasures with them and stuff yeah you're starting to see that a lot in like disneyland queue lines yeah where you can play on your phone at the same time you're waiting in line um so it's kind of one of those those things but i also you know i think it's great that we love to talk about tech but um, and hearing Derek talk about the, the magic floor, um, it just reminds me that like, it, it doesn't matter what toys you have or what, you know, things you have. Um, if your teaching's not sound, none of it matters. Right. Mm. So um, it's, that's very it's, important. It's that idea, like that Rocky four, right. You got, you got <laughs> the Russian in the gym with all the toys and all the technology and then you got Rocky chopping trees and running, running like a sled dog in the snow, right? And mm-hmm. to me, it's kind of the same idea. Like you can have all the toys and you can have all these advantages, but if you're if you're not if you're not really working on something that matters, who cares? So yeah, yeah. There can be a lot of flash in ed tech, um, and and it can look really good, but you need to have those basics. And I think that that goes back to how I started, how we started this with like the inquiry and curiosity on the teacher's part when you're exploring ed tech, like from the teacher, like having coming from a space of inquiry and not knowing all of the answers and learning with your students 
that takes like a certain amount of wisdom as a teacher to be able to really hone and, and, and work with. So that's a great point to bring up, Will. So thank you. Uh, Cindy? Yeah, awesome. Awesome, Will. It's so true. Um, I was just going to chime in with what Crystal had said. I would love to have the projector that you're talking about. I have. Um, I She's have- got an extra one. oh it's so funny i think about where where i was and where i'm at now and i don't want to be greedy uh we got an interactive dell monitor last year which we didn't even know we were getting but um there we were the first day of school and there was one in the gym and i thought well maybe they're just storing it in the gym certainly it's not for me and they're like no every teacher gets one i'm like what what so i was very excited about that because prior to that i have a nice screen and a projector but the projector is very it's the old fashioned where you have to roll it out into the middle of your gym and you've got these cords and I'm always worried about, you know, students running and tripping and I have to be, you know, very clear on safety and what, you know, our protocol is and you cannot move behind there. And so, you know, when the Dell monitors came, I thought, okay, well this will just replace it. But then, you know, I realized and I learned how to be able to, you know, use two different screens or maybe three. So um, there was times where it was beneficial to have both the projector and the Dell interactive monitor going at the same time. So I'm not using the projector as much just because of the safety and I'm spoiled with the interactive monitor, but it would be awesome to have both because there's times when I want to project something really big, but then there's something that's more interactive for my instructional piece that's close up with the students where they can actually interact with the board. So that's my list. Definitely, definitely. Charlie? Yeah, so I'm I'm glad that Will brought up AR because even years ago in my teaching, I remember I was at I was at the uh, the National PE Institute and I saw Naomi do a session on augmented reality. I don't even remember the app at that point in time, but I feel like that's something that a lot of teachers have been dabbling in in different ways for a long time. But I've always felt like that's the next big jump that PE is going to take in terms of implementing technology. We just haven't figured out exactly how to yet. Um, so I encourage people when you're introduced at a professional development session and something in, in regards to augmented reality, uh, soak all that stuff up. Cause I do feel like that's the next big jump. We just have to figure out the fit again, back to one of Will's points, right? So one of the grad classes I teach is about, um, the appropriate implementation of, of the use of technology, right? Not just using technology for the sake of using technology. And the first question that I throw to them on the first night is I, I kind of ask them to fill in the blank, a struggling teacher with an iPad is. And I ask them to finish that sentence for me. And they finish it in a variety of ways. But really, the answer is a struggling teacher with an iPad is a struggling teacher with an iPad, right? It, it doesn't replace good teaching. It doesn't replace um, the instructional and the assessment strategies that you use as a really good teacher. It could enhance them. It could enrich them. It could do a lot of things, but it doesn't replace it, right? Technology doesn't replace good teaching. And I think that's a really good point to make. And I'm glad that uh, Will brought that up. In terms of a wish list, now that I'm an administrator, scholarship is my wish list. So that doesn't really apply to everybody on the call. But I will throw this out there. And and I know that interactive boards have been brought up. Uh, A Cuomo board, Q-O-M-O. I don't know if all the other boards have this feature, but a Cuomo board has um, its own Wi-Fi. So you don't need to plug a laptop into it. It's essentially a gigantic tablet um, that on wheels in my gym. And it was one of the coolest things that, that I was able to get as a teacher. So if you want to look into that uh, Q-O-M-O, uh, Cuomo board, uh, yeah. helped my teaching greatly. 
Uh, the um, Prometheans have a chrome box on them, and they're essentially like a big um, Google tablet, uh, Google-based tablet. So I don't know if that's different than what you're talking about, but it, it's probably pretty similar. You like you don't need to plug an additional thing in. Yeah, I haven't I haven't messed around with a Promethean board before, um, so I wasn't sure, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, no, thank you for the ad, uh, Crystal. Um, I know Will was talking about the um, interactive, like with the monsters. I don't know if you mentioned, but I know the PE geek, he used to have a program and it might still be out there and I hadn't looked it up in forever, but you could put place the monsters throughout the school and they would do fitness exercises or something, or maybe that was my idea. I was going to use it. I can't remember if they did fitness <laughs> exercises or if when the, my kids in my mind, when they found the monster they were going to do fitness exercise i can't remember but it, it was called like monster fitness or something uh that he had and i, I if i'm not mistaken i think it was like a hundred dollars you know for a subscription for the year but i hadn't seen it in forever but i didn't know if that was uh kind of what will was talking about or if he had heard of it yeah it's 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 similar idea i mean um i'm cheap i don't pay for anything um i will i will intentionally like beg borrow and steal any any kind of tech stuff because i just i don't believe in paying for a subscription to something when really you if you work hard and you figure it out you can you can do it on your own it just takes the time um but yeah I, it, you know i i did a a q a qr pokemon hunt and they would scan the qr code and instead of a video because this was you know eight, nine years ago, um, it would just take them to a, a task card and the task, it was a digital task card. Kinda, and so you'd scan the QR code when you got to a station and it would, you'd, it'd tell you what to do. Um, so it's just kind of a video version of that. And I hosted, I hosted all that through, through, uh, Google drive, um, with just QR codes. Um, it's kind of the same idea, but more interactive. Yeah, that sounds that sounds actually. I mean, the QR codes were such a thing. Like when we QR codes, I tried to use QR codes like in the very beginning, and I remember getting so frustrated because no one wanted to use them. And eventually, uh, I started calling them the herpes of the IT world because they were just everywhere, and no one ever wanted their use. <laughs> <laughs> And then it was like, it was one of those things though, the like, uh, iPhones had not had a, um, they didn't have a reader in it, um, in the camera, you had to download a separate app and it was like, you know, the, the, the idea of the QR code needed to prove itself before it got put into, um, phones. And so it had a rough go of it and I kind of abandoned the the project. And now the QR codes are like in full swing. I, I have to get back into it. <laughs> just, just like herpes, it didn't go away. And, yeah. And it, <laughs> <laughs> it certainly did. Great analogy, everybody. I really appreciate it. <laughs> um, I just want to say that I think the QR code, just jumping in there on the AR talk, uh, I think there's a lot of power in AR. I think there's a lot of power in VR. Like, I always had this idea of doing this like choose your own adventure YouTube video where like you're mm. in a game like first like like first player like point of view and whatnot and then like you get to a place where you have to make like a tactical decision and then you click and that would jump you like to the next video and show you the next stage. So like imagining like doing that in virtual reality and being able to like assess decision making in game situations would be really cool. And I think the oh, yeah. I think AR is where like 
QR codes were back in the day were like, yeah, you need this other app. And, you know, when I did the physical literacy mural, that first one actually had a couple photos that I, I forget. It was like, it was like, I feel like it was an HP app or something. It was like a, a big brand that like had developed it. But a couple of the photos, if you launched the app and you held it over the photos, it would like it would it, like in AR fashion it would overlay a video on top of the photo and then oh, the photo would come that. yeah it would come to life and you get to see a video of like that the whatever that photo was representing so like parents who send me pictures and videos of the of the skill being done anyways i think now with like the technology advancements in mobile devices especially like with like the iPhones with the lidar scanners and like all that i think ar is like at that point where it's like going to become so there's going to be so little friction between being able to like um scan a a trigger and it automatically like launching into like whatever app or whatever it may be or or it just appearing however it may be um i think that's what's going to be uh soon i think we're so close to that and if i one thing i am really interested in seeing is actually seeing how like artificial intelligence so ai how that's going to be able to be used because right now like i'm using like a couple writing apps where there's ai like assistance built into them and like you can put in a prompt, be like, hey, I want to write like a post with like these points. And it just basically writes the whole post for you, like in mm. like human language. That's like very hard to tell that like a robot would have written that. And imagine like if you went in and you ha- you gave it access to like a database of games and like the games were like typed with targets. And I was like, hey, like tomorrow, like I need a sub and they're teaching grade three striking games. And it just wrote a lesson plan for you based off of that instead of you having to go and pull all the information format and put it all together so just like a lot Ooh. of crazy things like that that might like like are just around the horizon and i think at the the pace at which things are advancing they might be coming a lot sooner than later i um have thoroughly enjoyed this chat it makes my little techie heart so happy to talk about like deep technology practices instead of the hot and flash of like use this app use that app and like we i really feel like we did a great job so everyone pat yourself on the back of like really talking about how we intentionally use this stuff (laughs) for those of you that are listening and going oh my god my face is melting from all of the information that was just thrown at me Um, I want to let you know, like, start slow. Like, you know, all we collectively, this panel has been working with technology and it's been incorporated into our professional development goals. Um, and it's been part of things that we've wanted to intentionally grow. And so this might not have been something that you intentionally wanted to grow. And, but now hearing some of the stuff that we were talking about today, maybe it is. So um, a couple of recommendations uh, are to go to um, to go to the um, Chromebook uh, HPE website and kind of dabble around and see what's so cbhpe.org um, and see what's in there because there's so much in there. Um, and, um, the other thing that I, I have two more things that I want to suggest. I was, I got the opportunity to go to a Google summit and it really changed 
how I think about teaching in a lot of different ways. Like there was one girl there that was talking about everything was like about improv and she made SNL references and a lot of pop culture references. And I think that like for me, someone that goes to all of these phys ed conferences to go to an ed tech conference um, was like so powerful to get out of like just how phys ed uses technology and to see how like the whole education world uses technology. Um, so check out like Google summits is the ISTE conference, I S T E, um, and the model schools conference is, uh, around you. Those are all national organizations that you might try to go to go to in-person conferences. There also is a great deal of free workshops. Now that, uh, COVID has happened, one of the things that's really great is that people are more willing to do online conferences that are, um, free or low cost. So, um, that's another great place to learn. I, um, I read this book called Wonderless EDU, an educator's guide to innovation, change, and adventure. And like the author makes a thesis statement that like, you know, uh, we started with pencils as technology and we've evolved to keyboards and Chromebooks. And like, this is not a new thing having to like move through different, um, uh, versions of the something that does the same thing essentially, but now we have transformed it and it, you know, we can use it in different ways. Um, but that book, uh, I called it like, um, words are hard for me right now. What is the name of that book? The, um, the alchemist. So it's kind of like the mm. alchemist, but for, uh, technology, because you're on your teaching career is a long journey and you're going to learn about yourself a lot through that journey. And in Wanderlust EDU, they talk about waypoints and reflection points. And I feel like in the alchemist, like in the different, uh, places that he found himself, you know, and he was able to check in with himself. Those were his waypoints. So I definitely, it's a short read. Um, and it's, it's a great, it's a great book for people that are, you know, wanting to be inspired to, uh, to get into this or to keep that fire burning. And then the last thing that I want to say is I have a little anecdote. I, like I said, my sister worked for the Apple store for a decade. Um, and we moved, we moved in together in 2008 and that is the same year that, um, the iPhone came out or it came out in 2007. Um, and it was only on, uh, at the time, like cellular one, uh, which is now AT&T. And I had a Verizon, I, I was on the Verizon server and I paid for my sister's, um, cell phone. So she was on mine and she jumped ship (laughs) off of my plan onto my brother's plan so that she could get an iPhone. And I stayed on Verizon because I was like, I'm a loyal customer. This is going to mean something. So I am playing with my chocolate phone and eventually Verizon gets the iPhone and I, um, I start using it, but I'm not really downloading a lot of different apps. And my sister grabs my phone and she goes, why do you have an iPhone with no apps on it? I said, I don't know. I just like, you know, I just, I don't need all of those apps because I was coming from that mentality that I had 
you know, just a basic flip phone and I was just starting to get used to it. And she looked at me dead in the eye and mind you, like I'm a tech person. That's like part of my identity. She looks me in the eye and she goes, Elise, you're going to end up being one of those teachers that refuses to use technology by the end of their career if you don't keep on using the new thing. Because if you don't use the new thing when it's new and you try and jump in five things later, you're going to have so much more to learn. So you got to keep on using the new things so that you can build that skill set so you keep on being able to do the new thing. So, you know, that is pretty wise advice from my 21-year-old <laughs> sister. Um, and I that it sticks with me. So, like, even when I don't like certain things, I still try and poke around and, and see how it's used and, and how I can transfer my prior knowledge into this and, and know it for the future. Elise, so, I swear to God, if this is you trying to get me on TikTok, it's not going to happen. <laughs> 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 don't be my friend because then you just get ra- random TikToks throughout the day and and none of my friends have the TikTok app because we're all elder millennials <laughs> but my sister made me do it <laughs> so I will just want to take a second to thank Will, Derek, Charlie Crystal and Cindy you guys such a joy to have you here tonight thank you all and- so much Yes, you made tonight terrific. And thank you, everyone that listened, because we did go 26 minutes over today. But I think that all of the information that we learned was totally worth it. You guys are amazing. And can't wait to see you next week. All right. See you all next week, everybody. Elise, thanks so much for hosting. That was awesome. I did my best. And if I forgot anything that anybody talked about, please add to those tweets. You were all sharing so much. (laughs) (laughs) Bye now. All right, everybody. So I'm just hopping back on here at the end of the podcast. I just want to say a huge thank you to my co-host Elise for crushing it with this first ever PE chat panel session. And also to all the panelists, Derek, Will, Charlie, Crystal, Cindy, you were amazing. Thank you so much for taking time to share your expertise and your your enthusiasm for tech and PE. I'm sure that everybody listening in here uh, was able to leave with at least one or two killer ideas that they're going to be able to bring back to their gym. So again, if you want to participate in future PE chat sessions, just sh- check out the physicaleducator.com slash PE chat. Until then, I hope you have an awesome rest of your week. Keep taking great care of yourself and happy teaching. <laughs>